Podcast. I'm here after a 30-point victory over the East-leading Miami Heat. 122-92, to the Celtics prevail. Patrick, how are you feeling today? I know your Niners got bounced in a tough circumstance, but at least the Celtics were here to cheer you up uh, on this fine month. You know what? We're not mentioning football on today's podcast. We are just here to talk basketball. And for that reason alone, I am a happy person. Um, Any time to get a victory against uh, the Miami Heat is very sweet. And I'm very happy to be here on this wonderful Monday to start out my week. And a 30-point win for the Boston Celtics, man. How did you feel about this game? Oh, honestly, I think the team played really well from top to bottom. Uh, not really anybody can single out for having a particularly bad game. I mean, you know, the Jays had a light. You know, you tweeted this earlier. They had a light night tonight. They didn't need to go crazy with the minutes. You know, they could get some ample rest, but they played very well the time they were in. Uh, you know, Smart he had a good shooting game, you know, one of his best shooting games in a while, but he was also, you know, being him, moving the ball, playing good defense. So I thought this was a complete team game from the Celtics. And we even got a little bit of uh, my favorite guy, uh, you know, Hauser. You know, he had a nice tough shot there at the end. So, Patrick, this for me was about as complete a game as the Celtics could have played. And, you know, I know everybody's first reaction is going to say that, you know, Lowry and uh, Jimmy and P.J. Tucker did not play, which is obviously true. But, Patrick, you can only beat who's in front of you, and we beat what felt like a pretty bad team by 30 points. So I feel good. Yeah, and it's it's not like they didn't have Bam, right? So Bam and Adebayo was still out there. Uh, the Celtics just overall played together as a unit. You know, I thought they did a really good job of, of getting everybody involved, and we saw a game finally where Marcus Smart took quite some shots and actually made them. Like he was – Marcus Smart was great tonight. That's That was the big difference for me on offense was that he was able to pitch in 16 points, you know. And you, you look at a 30-point win, uh, maybe it's only a 15, 16-point win and not as, you know, impressive. But him being able to pitch in that, that extra load there was nice to see from Marcus Smart, who also just overall played a really good game, 16-7. and seven. Um, Like, that's what you want, right? Like, that's a solid night for a point guard who is playmaking as the focal point. And then you had uh, Jalen Brown only taking a – 19 shots, Jason Tatum only taking 15. Like, nobody had to take over 20 shots tonight, and it was in a 30-point win, which is insane because usually in big wins like this, Jason and Jalen just kind of go nuclear and the other team can't do anything. But neither one of them even hit 30 points, and we were able to seal away a a pretty good victory. Yeah, you know, I thought uh, both the Jays played a terrific game, like you mentioned, even without shooting too many shots. I mean, Tatum was efficient. 47 from the field, 43 from the three. Uh, and, you know, 12 rebounds and five assists, you know, something you love to see from Tatum. You know, when we're playing one big out there, like just Rob, you know, it's usually just Rob, not usually just Al. But when we're playing that one big, you know, Tatum's a big guy. So him crashing on the boards really can help, you know, just close possessions out and, you know, make sure the Celtics get stopped so that 12 boards is big. And then five assists, you know. People like to talk about how Tatum needs to grow this and that as far as his playmaking. I mean, if you watch every night, you're seeing that growth happen. And uh, five assists, you know, people knocked down some shots, made one phenomenal pass, uh, split a double team, you know, dropped it down low to Rob. Rob went up and got the dunk. Uh, One of the best passes of the game for me. But, yeah, you know, our Jays, once again, playing good game together at the same time, Patrick. Who would have thought this was possible? 
Yeah, who said this duo could actually make it, man? I thought we were supposed to break them up. No, it, it was an overall collective group effort tonight. I thought everybody pitched in, and to be honest, everybody almost did pitch in. Uh, if, without peeking at your box score for a second, Lucas, and, and look away while you can if you have it up. How many people didn't score tonight for the Celtics? Out of everybody who played, who didn't score? Off the top of my head, I know Pritchard didn't get a bucket. And I'm trying to think. The only other person I can't picture scoring right now is Romeo. So those are my two. Those would be the, those would be oh, the picks. Uh, out of 14 guys, uh, out of 14 players that played for the Celtics tonight, 12 of them scored. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Um I don't know. I think that just proves, you know, points to at least the Celtics improved ball movement. Also, Patrick, I got a question for you if you weren't already looking at it as well. How many fast break points did the Celtics outscore the Heat by tonight? See, I don't actually have that in front of me. Okay, um, now let me ask you. How many fast break points do you think we had? And how many do you think we outscored the Heat by? Um, I thought we were pretty good in, in the fast break for once. Uh, this is probably our best fast break scoring game. So I'm going to go around like 24 yeah, points for us. A little high. You know, we only had, only had high. 13. However, we only had 13. The, we outscored them by like, what, 10? 11. Yeah, the Heat only had two. So that just shows wow. me that we were really able to, you know, get back on defense, make shots. And then, you know, when we had the chance to get out in transition, you know, 13 points. You know, puts a little extra cushion in a 30-point win as opposed to, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, a 15-point win, a little bit less secure. So uh, this was just a good showing tonight from the Celtics from top to bottom. Um, however, I do have one thing to bring up, though. A member of the Miami Heat, uh, former Celtic, former Maine Red Claw, Max oh, Struess, 9 of 17 on threes tonight. Absolutely filled it up. Um, every single basket he made was a three-pointer. And the only two non-three-pointers he took were misses. And, you know, I got to admit, Patrick, you know, I know he wasn't this guy back, you know, when he played for the Celtics and played for the Red Claws. But it did kill – it absolutely killed me to see him running wild out there because he's pretty much the exact type of player we need right now to be like, you know, our eighth, ninth man. So it, I know, you know, it's not – it's a little unfair of me to act like, oh, my God, we could have him. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I would be lying if I said it didn't pain me a little bit to see him knocking down threes how he was tonight. I think what pained me the most about him tonight was how open the Celtics just let him get. I felt like the pressure on him alone was just non-existent, right? So, like, I think if you give – I mean, Grant Williams. You give Grant Williams some of the looks that he was getting tonight, I think Grant Williams has a, a shooting game like that. You know, like he was – wide open so many times. It felt like the Celtics kind of lost a, a bunch, especially off of the, the pick and rolls. It, it, they just weren't communicating well, and he was getting open looks. They were doing that to all the shooters, I thought. The Heat shooters were, were getting really good, decent looks from the three-point range. And we just kind of benefited because they started out really cold, like 14 points in the first quarter. The Heat really never came back from that, right? They, they got the game to tie. Uh, what was that in the second quarter? Uh, they came out and just were on an eighteen to five run, right? Just hit us. Eme gets pissed off, calls a timeout, and the Celtics just respond with a seven zero run. So it was just like 
they caught up to tie it just for the Celtics to be like, all right, yeah, we're not doing this tonight. We are putting the foot back on the gas and just pulling away. And it really never became a game after that. No, that was a really reassuring that little run we went on after the timeout. And honestly, you know, the second quarter wasn't phenomenal for me. But what I really like to see is, you know, Ime definitely had some words to say at halftime, it felt like. And the Celtics came out and executed, you know. I know the uh, Miami was running the zone a lot in the first half, and it seemed like it was stalling the Celtics' offense a little bit. But then they just came out attacking with such purpose, purpose in the second half that, you know, no gimmicky zone defense was really going to stop the Celtics uh, uh, tonight, and they made that very clear. But, you know, I also I hear you about Grant. You know, Struess was getting some open looks, and I think that probably has to do with some of the gravity that Duncan Robinson commands. Um, but bottom line is Grant is never taking 17 threes in the game. Okay, he's just not the quality of shooter off movement that a guy like Struess is. And, you know, I just it just pained me a little bit to see Struess. Now, however, Struess, I don't think, was a very good player when he was here, and he improved himself to be this guy now. So props to Max Struess. Um, it's not like we let go of some beautiful gem at the time. You know, it's hard to keep a two-way guy on a roster spot like that, you know, when you need – you know, to win now, like the Celtics were aiming for back when he was here. But uh, shout out Max Struess, man. I mean, he always had the potential, and he's really fulfilling that in Miami. So as much as it pained me to see uh, as a former Celtic, I'm also happy for the guy, you know, seeing him flourishing. First player, I believe, yeah. who went to college – sorry to cut you off there, but first player who went to college in Chicago to make the NBA, I believe, since Wilson Chandler. How crazy is that? Max Struess to Paul Grad. I love it, man. I love seeing – Max succeed. I just like the story behind those type of guys, you know, having that ability to really raise above expectations and make a roster and contribute and get that contract. Him as well as Gabe Vincent. Prove everybody Another wrong. undrafted guy, Gabe Vincent. Yeah. Another great story. I mean, we could talk all we want about the Heat not being full strength, but at the end of the day, you know, we all remember the game against Minnesota, right? Like, you know, those were not, you know, their starters. Those were not their star players, and we got smacked in the mouth. So, like I said, you got to play who's in front of you, and it was good to see, you know, this reassuring of a. You know what's crazy too is that this game had there's two players, um, one from each team that are in the top nine. So I'll just say top ten, just so it sounds better. Top ten in three point percentage this season. I think we both know who one of them is. Can you agree that's uh, that Grant Williams is there at number nine? Yes. Who do you think the other guy is? And I'll give you a hint. He did not play in this game. I already know who it is. It's P.J. Tucker. Yes, it is. And he's number one in the league. That guy is having an amazing shooting season. And uh, honestly – I mean, listen, I'm really glad getting a win tonight, playing against you know a short-handed Heat, even if it was short-handed, because the Heat are dang good. I mean, I don't know. Sorry, I'll let you go with it, and then I'll touch on what I was going to say. You can. Yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to point out that like uh, Grant Williams has been incredible. Like we thought it was just like a hot start or something. Man, he's shooting forty two point five percent from the field, crazy uh, from three point range. That is just great job by Grant Williams, who. I think has had a phenomenal impact on what the Celtics are trying to do. He plays great on the defensive side. He's also three spots ahead of a guy named Desmond Bain. So, you know, I'm just saying that the ceiling for Grant Williams might be higher 
than Desmond Bain said. Yeah, word to I'm David saying. Williams, host of the uh, Sports <laughs> Ethos Grizzlies podcast. <laughs> That's definitely a shot um, towards a, a co-host. <laughs> Shout out David, man. He's a good guy. But, uh, you know, we won't tolerate any sort of Jalen Brown slander uh, at all. And as much as I love yeah. Desmond Bain, you know, basically, you know, our friend David tweeted that Desmond Bain may have a higher ceiling than Jalen Brown. And, uh, you know, respectfully, you know, I'm going to have to disagree with that statement. Uh, you know, I'm personally a Jet. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna defend our guys, too. Listen, we're like, we're not going to just let play, that slander go. And the Celtics play the Grizzlies, too, soon. So I'm sure all you, all the listeners, you, you'll get a chance to hear from David, too, because I know David agreed to, you know, pop on the show whenever we decided to uh, play against the Grizzlies. So it'll be interesting to get David on here. You know, we can we can have him defend him, him his own self uh, for, that, for that despicable tweet. Oh man, I just I, I saw that and I I just was like, there's no way, there's no way this man Desmond tweeted Bain that is out. A, is a very good player in his own right. I don't want to make this any sort of shot at Bane. You guys know how. Oh, I wish we had Bane. I mean, he's twelfth in the league from three point percentage. He has forty two. And he's been. And I know that hurts. That hurts to hear. I know that hurts to hear here because I mean, a guard right now that's shooting forty two percent from deep sounds amazing uh, to have on a team. Uh, Unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, obviously, we all know how Bane is attached to us via the Neesmith deal. Um, and the thing is, you know, speaking of Neesmith, and you know how we would love to have Bane. You know, we might be seeing some more Neesmith uh, and Pritchard, you know, and I know we've talked about this before. It's, you know, but this time it feels for real because we could actually be losing somebody off the roster. And that will come as no surprise to learn uh, that I'm talking about the guy named, by the name of Dennis Schroeder, who's honestly been pretty, pretty dang good the last few weeks. He's honestly been pretty solid all season. It has nothing to do with him as a player. You know, obviously more about his fit on this specific team. And now, uh, Patrick, there's some news out of Cleveland that they could potentially be interested. You want to uh, tell the folks what apparently the asking price for the combo? Yeah, they're looking like they're they're gonna be just putting out their first round pick. They're kind of dangling it out there, saying, "Hey, we're willing to give up a first round pick for the best combo guard on the market to kind of bring in and help them out." Because I mean, Cleveland's having a wonderful season. They're they're going for it, and they say, why not? You know, you have Darius Garland, who's had an all-star caliber type season. You have a, a guy like Evan Mobley, who has really shifted on how the Cavs organization is being looked at as a team in general. He's changing up the culture. They really got one, and uh, I think Cleveland should be swinging right now, right? Like, go for it. Like, if, it, if it's only going to cost you a late first this year, like – this is the year to move a first round pick because it ain't going to hurt you as bad as if uh, you were trying to move a future one or anything like that. Exactly. And, uh, you know, a couple specific things here. So Cleveland would not be at all interested in Schroeder had Ricky Rubio not unfortunately gotten injured. So that's really what's putting them in the market for a combo guard. And another reason why, you know, we should keep an eye on Schroeder because although he might not be the best combo guard on the market, you know, compared to guys like E.G. Eric Gordon or Karis Levert from uh, the Pacers, he does, however, fit into the trade exception that the Cavaliers had, you know, making it, you know, no cap uh, penalty or anything like that. You know, it won't count against the cap. So that's just something to consider because Eric Gordon and um, – and Karis Lover would not fit into that trade trade exception. So that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, and then, you know, the Celtics maybe could have an extra pick to package for a player like maybe Bradley Beal uh, come summertime. And we'd be under the tax, too, if we got Dennis out of here. So I think that's honestly what all the signs are pointing to is, is that that's a pretty imminent move. 
not necessarily to Cleveland, yeah, we kinda, but at least off the road. I would love, I would love to see something kind of happen like that, just kind of get under that line as well. But it'll be interesting to see, and our eyes are going to be peaked, and we'll be trying to podcast if anything breaks uh, as soon as we can to break anything down like that. Um, so bear with us as we we do uh, have lives outside of Celtics basketball, but uh, we will do our best to try to come bring you breaking coverage when things go down. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you know, if a trade breaks the night of, we'll be recording a show here on Spotify Green Room. So if you want that live reaction, you can definitely come up to the show or we'll try and get the episode out, you know, ASAP post trade. Uh, so you guys can, you know, you know, digest that content you're looking for. Cause I know when, you know, the Patriots or anybody I follow make a trade, you know, I'm waiting, I'm refreshing for that first podcast to come up. So we'll try and get that out, get that out ASAP. That's just something. To- I think it's some trivia time. I think it's some more trivia time. People love the trivia, so let's so let's get let's put Lucas on the block here. All right, let's see what what he's got. Let's see what he's got. Okay, I'm ready. How many how many players do you think on the roster this year average ten minutes per game or more? Ten minutes per game. Let me. Remember all the COVID games too, man. So people got some more run. Yeah, you got to take that into consideration. That's your hand. Okay, so uh, six, seven. Um. Oh, this is a hard one, Patrick. Uh, you can you can start naming no, names, having, and I will even say okay. yes or no if you want. I, I so just no, name so them. Our starting five, okay. You know, J, the Jays. Marcus, mm-hmm. Robin, Al, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Boom, Jay, out the way. Jay Rich. Yep. Grant. That's six. Seven. Okay. Now, this is where I'm hovering between eight and nine for who I think gets in here. It's only 10 minutes per game. I think you're say, overthinking. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Romeo. Yep. Was that That's eight. eight? Um,. I know, bro. I'm telling you, there's no way Anis Freedom plays 10 minutes a game. There's no way. That's nine. He he does? Yeah, 12.3. That's crazy. Uh, Remember, he had that stretch where he, he was, was playing, playing a lot, a lot of, minutes. of minutes. That's true. When Horford was out, and then we I'll also had – um, I'll say Pritchard Rob. over Neesmith. Pritchard? Yeah. Well, we had 10. 10. You're missing two names. I'll give you – you're missing two names. One of them is really obvious, and I'm surprised you missed them. I already know. Uh, like, come on, man. Hold on. Do not give this to me, okay? You got to maybe count down. Uh, oh, obviously, it's Dennis, fam. God. Dennis, yes, okay, yes, Dennis. Dennis through the cracks, and then, you know. That's 11. Neesmith, so there's, Neesmith there's... has to be the last guy. He slips in at 10.5. Oh. He's the last. So it's He's pretty the much last. everybody but Bruno. <laughs> and Hauser. <laughs> I mean, you got to take in Wancho was on the team. Uh, Brodick Thomas got time. Sam Hauser, CJ Miles, Joe Johnson, all those guys. None of them got the two to ten minute average. Um, out of those twelve guys now that at least played ten minutes per game, mm-hmm. who do you think shot the worst from three, and then the second worst? Uh, Horford. The bottom two. Horford, the bottom two worst three point shooters. Horford. 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 Horford's not one of the bottom two. Oh, that's kind of- one, one of them is obvious as hell too. Don't, bro. 
I'll actually get the last one out the way because I really just want to focus on the other one because the person who's last is 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 a cheat code because he he attempted his first of his career and he doesn't oh, shoot him so off. So that doesn't count. So who are the next two? Yeah, then? Robert Robert Williams. All right, all right. So Robert Williams. So next two. Who do you think the next eleventh and tenth out Bro, of those? If Neesmith is on this list. I'll be supremely bummed. Is there a guess? I mean, listen. Are we counting people with like three attempts or no? Uh, we're not we're, we're not counting with the temps. Uh, you know what? We'll do this actually. Because I don't want to count out of that Ennis top Cantor. twelve. Ennis freedom, excuse me. Yeah, well, Ennis freedom is twenty five percent, and he's God. not the worst. Oh and he's not God. the worst out of the list. Oh, <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll we'll let you we'll let you uh, we'll get you guess. All right, out of the the guys who have attempted at least one point uh, five or more. Like, oh my God! I mean. I guess I don't know uh, who's the worst shooter. Easily, Al Al would have been my number one guess for a bad shooter. And then I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let you know that he is. He's twenty about. He's twenty seven. He's the second worst out of that. He's the second worst. So you're okay, close so, with him. So there's only one player worse. Yep. Don't tell me it's smart. It's not. Smart's thirty percent. Al's 29. The guy you're looking for is shooting 22% from three. Is he still on the roster? Yes, he's still on the roster. It's not It's not Neesmith, is it? Don't tell me that it's Neesmith. <laughs> it's Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith at 22% from deep. See the, oh. On the season. Um, I, oh, wanted no, to, I wanted to bring up Aaron Neesmith for a reason, though. I really okay. did. Let's hear and it. here's the reason. Let's hear the reason. I'm on the train now that oh. we've just been fooled. We've just been fooled with Aaron Neesmith. I'm not saying he. No, no, no. I'm just saying I'm no. You're gonna. You're. It's gonna make sense in a second. It's gonna make sense in a second. The reason why I think we, as a group, collectively as Celtics fans, and I mean when we when we drafted him, our expectations, right? Sharpshooter in the draft. We might be the one of the best shooters in the draft. He fooled us, right? He fooled us. All right, but. He's actually not that bad of a slasher, and his mid-range game is kind of nice. The thing is that they just got the scouting report backwards with somebody else. That's that's what I'm guessing right now because a man can bully, and when I when he drives to the rim, I feel more confident about Aaron Neesmith when he drives and stops on a dime and pumps fakes before going up. I have more confidence on him shooting the ball then than I do on a three-pointer. Yeah, so you know, well, it's possible they mixed his. Uh... They somehow mixed up his scouting report with someone else. You know, what I think is likely is uh, a few things, okay? I think, you know, he probably had a lot more freedom to shoot whatever shots he wanted to in college. And, Pat, I know you've played enough basketball to know the more freedom you have on the court, you know, the more comfortable it allows you to be as a player. So, naturally, you know, Neesmith is probably more comfortable shooting. The, the, the three-point line was shorter. And also, you're just playing worse defense. You're playing worse players. So, when – you know, something that is kind of a red flag to me during draft season is when people reference percentages, right, in college. Well, I'm not ruling the percentages out completely, but I want to see things on tape. So necessarily when I watched Neesmith on tape, you know, he did not look like a Seth Curry or a J.J. Redick to me, you know what I mean? He didn't look like a bad shooter by any means, but I really do think it's a mental thing with Neesmith. I really do, because the Celtics talk about how well he plays at practice, how well he shoots at practice. And like you're saying, 
he clearly shows confidence, you know, slashing and on his mid-range pull-ups. Um, and I truly believe that, uh, you know, if he kind of gets his head right, you know, starts actually taking the right shots, you know, I think we can cor- he can correct his uh, correct his, you know, shooting woes. But I'm sure he'll co- correct them uh, in Sacramento or somewhere else because I don't think it's going to happen in Boston, Patrick. I really don't. It might not, man. I mean, you look back at his college days, his, his first college year as a freshman, he was uh, played 32 games and shot 33% from, from deep. And then uh, his sophomore year, in 14 games, he shot 52. So 14 games was a small people, sample size. People ran away with that 52%, let me tell you. And here's here's a strong indication. Is like When you look at shooters in college, um, most of the times you want to more pay attention to the free throw. Because if you realize a good free throw shooter normally translates into the NBA as a, as somebody who develops into a being a, at least a decent shooter most of the time. It's just kind of a recipe. His freshman year, he shot 82% from the free throw line. His sophomore year, he shot 82% from the free throw line. So all I'm saying is that, like, yeah, his three-point percentage went up, but he could have just been hot. Like, he's still the same guy who was shooting 33 at a big sample size. So maybe we really just drafted a 33-point sh- uh, shooter um, from deep. That That's a possibility. And Lucas probably wasn't expecting hopping on this podcast tonight and me to be emitting some of this Aaron Neesmith type of propaganda. You, but I uh, here I am. I was not expecting that at all. Here I am, Lucas, listen, throwing you, you off. You, you had me buying a little bit. And you know it's too. I'm bad. still not fully off. I'm, I'm not, still I'm not, not fully, fully off. Out on him as a prospect either. And you know I do think, like I said, if Dennis gets moved, those there are going to be minutes because Dennis plays significant minutes. So I do think Pritchard takes a lot of those. But I think by default, Neesmith's minutes go up if we lose a rotation player without taking back a contract. You know, and that's what was reported. The Celtics want to get off Schroeder without taking back another contract. So we'll see. We shall see. And you know, honestly, Patrick, can you imagine the development after the? After, you know, me being out on him and then me buying in and then me being so out on him again. Can you imagine if he gets yeah. some consistent minutes, starts making his threes and you starts know, playing you know well down the stretch? Can you You know the flip flopping reminds me of Grant Williams? I feel like with Grant Williams, a lot of people were flip flopping on him, right? It's like, oh he has a moment. oh no. Oh now get Grant off this team, you'll get get Grant out of here. Like last year, Grant Williams had the same talk around him of get him out of here for a guy like how you kind of talk about Aaron Neesmith this year, like on trades, right? Just throw him in a trade and like, just get somebody who's who, who at least contributes. And that's something that like, we got to take in consideration. Aaron Neesmith is the youngest player on this roster. I don't think people even realize that when, when they talk about Aaron Neesmith, like you're talking about the youngest guy on an, on NBA team. Like it's, it's 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 hard, you know. You're fighting every day. You are the little brother of Bronx. Everybody, even in age, like he's he's just trying to find his niche. And I think if he if he finds it, man, if he has a big off season where he just really gets into the grind and and maybe gets a little bit more confidence, like maybe he does have that Grant jump. Like we didn't see Grant's jump coming out of nowhere, but now Grant's kind of put an expectation on me to like I need to like wait a little longer. I can't be as impatient. Like Grant has definitely built that more into me because I was a big believer in Grant Williams and I, I I'm happy that I never fell off that train. I know last year a lot of people Same. did. Same. And I was just like I was just like, man, I think Grant just needs an off season. And that's literally what I said. I just thought he needed one real good off season. And 
I'm not out on Neesmith yet because I feel like this offseason he'll have the opportunity to really work on some things, and I'm hoping that that ends up cleaning some things. I think next year is going to be a big year for him just as far as like where he is as a player. Yeah, you know, and I also feel glad that I never jumped off the Grant bandwagon. But to me, there was a re- – I mean, and I'm not saying Neesmith can never be a good player. I feel like I've said that enough. So I'll just say a couple real quick. The thing is about Grant – is that he had a clear position change that could make him a more effective NBA player, right? Shed that 25 pounds, become a stretch four, improve your jumper. You definitely have enough defense and IQ, you know, on both ends of the floor to, you know, be an NBA player. It's just how effective can you actually be when you're out there? And Grant at the small ball five was just misutilizing, you know, his skill set the best way. Now, Neesmith, on the other hand, I think this comes down to, you know, you talk about he's 20 years old, right? And this kind of comes... 22. 22. This comes down to a, you know, a fundamental belief, right? He's young. Yes, he has, you know, potential, promise. But to me, that's not the type of players I'm looking for right now. Okay, the Jason and Jalen are about to hit their, their prime, you know, 24, 25, 26. I want players who don't need development. I want players who have proven. I need veterans surrounding my rather young duo of stars. I would rather guys like, you know, for example, PJ Tucker, a EG, Eric Gordon, you know, guys like that. I'm just throwing a couple names out there, but, uh, you know, ph- philosophically, I-, I want veterans surrounding the stars. I think a little bit more than youth waiting for players to develop because the guys who we needed to develop already developed in Jason and Jalen. So I think we need to surround them with like legit current right now talent. That's just personally how I feel. Now, obviously there's still room for young players in this equation. I'm not saying no rookies allowed, no young guys, of course not. But, you know, I just think the the players I would rather have as opposed to a guy like Neesmith is a player who's good now. And if we can trade Neesmith and maybe a future second or a first down the line for a player who can really contribute, I'm all for that, but that doesn't mean I'm out on Neesmith because he's a good kid. He plays hard, and he clearly has a little bit of talent. So, uh, you know, if he gets his head right, I really believe he can, you know, be an impact player in the league. True. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, and um, I love Aaron Neesmith, but I can definitely see him. Could definitely see him being moved uh, before the trade deadline, but hopefully he he doesn't. Um, I would like to see him get one more offseason just because. I also don't believe, like, I believe if they do trade them, they can get more for them if they wait until next year. Um, that's kind of where I'm at as well. Um, another you know thing. Else, no, you know who else deserves another shot, Patrick? Your who? failing beard. So go on over to manscaped.com. Use our code HOOPBALL20 oh for 20%, <laughs> you just roast me. For 20% off your order. Um, you know, don't give up on your beard. And no, I didn't mean you specifically, Patrick. I just was referencing, you know, struggling beards out there. Uh, you know, don't give up on your beard. You know, use the Manscaped products. Try and build your beard. Take care of it, man. And one day you'll have, you know, a full beard like James Harden. So uh, make sure, you know, you go over onto Manscaped and use the code HOOPBALL20 for 20% off your order for all your, you know, facial hair, whatever. Um, yeah, I just um, caught yeah, you off guard you, with that one. For, huh? uh, I'm just coming at my beard game and <laughs> the fact that I have a beard, too. Oh, I didn't man. even mean that directly. That was that was you, rough. But, you know, yeah. It, that, it just it just right. worked. It worked. It worked, man. It worked. It's fine. It's all good. It's all good. 
It's okay. But I got some trivia, more trivia here for us, all right? Because just everybody loves everybody trivia, loves trivia. Uh, especially especially the the listeners out there. Yes. All right. How many Celtics do you think were on the roster and played minutes this year are over the age of 30? And can you name them? Al. So Al. So first guess how many. Just first guess how many, and then I will we'll get the number down, and then we'll guess the people. But yeah, you you got Al already. But we'll we'll we'll, 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 we'll continue. Yeah, I saw Joe is that's, two. That's two. I feel like Wancho. I feel like Wancho was like twenty nine. Um, Wancho is twenty six. Okay, 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 okay. Because. I knew he was going to be getting up there. but So that's two. Let me turn and see who else. Uh, Jay Rich? Don't tell me Jay Rich is 30. Jay Rich is 28. You're okay, good. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly, I don't know. And then Jabari is three. That's what I'll say. Those are my three right there. I'm probably forgetting an obvious somebody, but who cares? I will, I will give you credit. You think there's three? Yeah, there's three. You're correct on Jabari the number. Jabari is like 27, though. He's not even 30. <laughs> He's 26. <laughs> He's just <laughs> – oh, poor Jabari. Poor Jabari. Okay, okay. Um, this is a joke one, but what about Sam Hauser? Because he looks like he could be 30. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly surprised you didn't guess Ennis Freedom, to be yeah, honest. I'm, I'm really surprised you didn't guess right? He's right there. He's 29. He's 29. So he's borderline. He's not quite there. Um, you, you. I thought you were gonna get it when you said Joe Johnson. I was like, oh man, he caught on to the to the whole team that oh, had to go and sign some. CJ Miles. <laughs> CJ Miles, man. Hey. CJ Miles, 34 years old. Joe Johnson, 40. Al Horford, 35. Nobody else on the Celtics roster that has played this year and played actual minutes is over the age of 30. Isn't that crazy to think though? Do you look at this team and you go? I feel like you, when you think about the Celtics team, you think that they're a lot older than they are because of how much some of these players on the roster have accomplished. You know, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Then you got surrounded with a guy like Robert Williams, and and then you got Al Horford, who has that veteranship and has a prestige in the league. You just think that this team is like, dang, these guys have been competing for a while. Like this has to be an older team. Like, no, like this team does not have a lot of older players. And that's where I'm like, also in the, in the mindset of like, we really have a, like an opportunity and a window here to really hit with the Jays. And I think if we put those right veterans around them, things can take off. And that's why I'm, I'm really getting more into your boat of let's go get some more veteran guys, maybe get some guys around their 28 and 29s to round around the younger 23 and 25-year-old Jalen and Jason who are just absolute studs. Um, but it's just crazy to see how young this team is. Uh, <laughs> Jason Tatum and, and Grant Williams at 23 years old is is insane. You know, Robert Williams at 24 with uh, Peyton Pritchard at 24. It's crazy to see that Peyton Pritchard is older than Jason Tatum. Just because That's it's like crazy. Jason Tatum. That is crazy. Jason Tatum. How many years has Jason Tatum been in the league already? Like four, four or five years. So it's like, and this is Pritchard's second. And it's just like, you're old. It's just insane. Yeah. Um, but this team is is going in a good direction. And I don't think that we, we should be really all that worried, man. Um, Work is work on the development this year. This is that bridge year, you know. Remain unlocking more things. I think Jason Tatum is playing 
a lot better than how he opened out the year. And and you got Jalen Brown right there behind him playing like a, a complete stud as well. But a little Celtics trivia, man. This team is pretty young, pretty young and talented. Yeah, you know, like you said, you know, just I think that nice age is good. I'm not saying, oh, we need to sell out for grizzled vets who are 34, 35. No, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm with you, Patrick. You know, 28, 29, 30, 31, that range of uh, – that range of guys is definitely who I think we need just as a team as opposed to any more developmental guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. I'm right there with you. And I, I think that uh, the Celtics will definitely be in the market as far as that goes. Um, not much else I have as far as that Miami game. Did you want to end up touching on anything else in that game? I know you talked about Grant Williams doing a little shifty shift. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, well, the grand crossover, you know, it didn't lead to a basket or anything like that, but it absolutely had me out of my chair. I could not believe, uh, you know, Grant hit someone with a little shimmy crossover, you know, down the baseline. That was uh, that was absolutely glorious to see. He made a couple hard three-pointers too, man. I mean, this guy, Grant, is really something else. But, uh, you know, I don't think I have, my, I have too much else personally. And, you know, I'm in the same boat as you. I think uh, we said about all there was to say, and it was a good win. Yeah, um, one thing that we can touch on uh, real quick before we, we finish wrapping it up is is the schedule coming up for the Boston Celtics and a little bit of the optimism as far as where we see this team kind of going. Uh, you know, the schedule is definitely getting a bit much softer for them uh, as they did have to go through that brutal stretch in January. Um, we got the Hornets coming up on Wednesday followed by the Pistons, then the Magic, and then we get a tough one against the Nets. But then we get the Nuggets, a rematch against the Hawks. Sixers is tough, but then we go against the Pistons again. So two games against the Pistons here coming up, two games against the Nets, actually three games against the Pistons and then Pacers as well. So this whole February February schedule is looking pretty juicy, 11 games. Celtics are playing, what, the Hornets once, Nets twice, Sixers once. It's like four games right there that might be the tough ones. And every all the rest of those games should be pretty convincingly wins. I mean, no reason that this this team can't stretch out here and, and get themselves about eight wins, hopefully, in this next month. Yeah, get us up over Charlotte. You know, get us closer to that top six range. Uh, you know, the hopes of being out of the play-in are, I'm not going to say they're quite dead yet, but they are definitely fading. Uh, you know, those top six teams in the East have a little bit of a gap, but, you know, the season's not over. We're not even at the all-star break yet. So if the Celtics, you know, really rattle off some wins here, that could go a long way to getting us up out of the play-in, which would be glory. Yeah, ideally it would be nice not to have to worry about a play-in game and, and play those extra games that we don't have to. I'm still waiting to understand where those play-in game stats go because uh, Jason Tatum dropped a 50-point uh, bomb in one of them, and – I don't know if that goes into his playoff stats or if it goes into his regular season stats. I just, I'm confused on where these playing stats still go and why. Yeah, you were asking that question last year, and honestly, I don't think we ever got an answer. So, uh, gonna have to figure that out. But hopefully, it doesn't take a Jason Tatum fifty ball to get us in the playoffs this year. Hopefully, we can just in and you know play. Hopefully, uh, the four seed, like you know Ben said in the comments, stealing the five seeds a dream. And, you know, personally, that's what I think it is a dream. But, you know, hey, shoot for the stars with your dream. So hopefully we can, you know, steal that five seed. But personally, I'm hoping we can, 
get up to the six. That's where kind of my head is at. Just get us out of the play, and, and you know, that will be an absolutely wonderful end to the season. Just, just shout out my boy Ben who who said six and not five. I don't want I don't want Lucas to to run his name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but Ben did say uh, six. On, so my you bad, guys are on the bad, same page. Ben. Yeah, so six, we're on the same exact spot. Six, I somehow misread that six to a five. So now that's what we call uh, that's what we call operator error right there by me. We got it. We got it. No, no, we we're good. We're on the same page now. If anything gets better, because you guys are on the same page and, and feeling like it's a. Uh, it's a good position. Who would the who's the current third seed right now? Who would that matchup look like against? Let me pull it up. Um, third seed would be Philadelphia. That would be the first round. Maybe we want to get up to that uh, fifth seed and and try to play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round. I That'd be a team. Things, I'm okay I think with. things will change. I think things will change by the end of the year. Honestly, I wouldn't love to play Philly, obviously, because of how dominant Embiid is. But I'll say it now. Stamp it. I'll stand on this. I'm not running from Philly, though. I'm not ready. I want I'm the not, smoke. I'm not running from Philly. You know, okay, I'm running from Harden and KD. Okay, I'll admit that. You know, I don't want to play Giannis. <laughs> I don't want to play Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. I don't necessarily want to play the Heat, you know, even though we smacked them tonight. Uh, you know, they're going to be an incredible defensive team. You know, they have winners, Kyle Lowry. P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler, they have buckets, Tyler Hero, uh, you know, Duncan can shoot the lights out, you know, Struess, obviously we saw can shoot the lights out. So those are the three teams I really want to avoid. Other than that, I'm I'm ready for uh, Jason and Jalen to try and carry us over uh, over any team, you know, and if, and if we fail, it's all good. I don't think, you know, it's championship robust or anything like that for us. I think that's pretty clear from my perspective, uh, but, you know, I, I just want to see playoff basketball, honestly. I'm ready. I'm ready because this team feels like they're ready too. You know, they kind of c- turned a corner here. And I'm not saying, you know, my outlook has changed like crazy, but it just feels good to watch pretty good basketball now. You know, Yeah, um, so it's been – Celtics have been kind of trending up, trending up. They'll have a couple speed bumps in, in the way where they kind of like slip back to their old selves. But we're seeing less and less bad games, and that's really encouraging as they are – getting more into a groove and I think mainly it's it's on the their Achilles heels which is their their defense and so I'm hoping that the defense stays strong and and the offense starts coming around for the Boston Celtics as we go into a February schedule but I think that's going to do it all for us here at the Ethos Celtics podcast remember you guys go ahead and hop on over to Spotify Give us that five-star on Spotify. You can also go to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and write a review. You can ask questions in there, anything like that. And also, don't forget to come join us on Green Room. We, we record all of our podcasts here live on Green, Spotify Green Room. Give people the opportunity to come in, ask questions in the comments or anything like that. You are more than happy to. And sometimes we even bring people on stage to let them speak. Um, but you can also follow the show at on Twitter, at Ethos Celtics. Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer, and also me at Ball and Opinions. Yes, sir. Shoot us both a follow. Rate both the shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You know, we really appreciate that. Shout out to everybody who pulls up every show, who downloads every show. Um, you know, I know we don't see your names. The people who listen to the shows not live, but we appreciate you as well. Uh, every single one of those downloads, no matter if you, you know, make it through 15, 20 minutes. Hopefully you finish the show, but if not, you know, we still appreciate you. Uh, Patrick, that's all from me. And, uh, Patrick, I'll talk to you again Wednesday night. We'll be here back Spotify Green Room. Yes, sir, man. I, I can't wait. All right, everybody. Thank you for showing up. We out.